Hey, podcast listeners, this is Pastor Freddie T. Wyatt, pastor of Real Life Sango. You may be a longtime listener or a first-time listener. Either way, welcome. I'm glad you're tuned into the podcast. Uh, you guys, we have a dynamic conversation today. We have a special guest, and uh, it just seemed like the flow was going today on the podcast. So uh, I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, again, if you've got questions you want us to answer on the podcast, Email Daniel at reallifesango.com. That's DJ Daniel Cox, the man, the myth, the legend. Email Daniel at reallifesango.com, and uh, and we'll answer your question on the podcast. But, hey, we love you guys. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus. This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at real life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, JV. Good morning, Freddie. How are you? It's so much easier to do this at 7 in the morning when it's so nice outside. Oh, I agree. I I was trying to figure out why do I feel so... I slept really well last night, but I fell asleep within, I think... A minute of laying down on the bed. I was so tired. So if you had a little ring like I have, it will tell you how fast you fall asleep. <laughs> they call it latency. A little, a little ring. My little Let ring. Let the listener understand the you're ring. talking about your non-wedding ring My non-wedding. on your pointer finger. <laughs> what, what else does it tell you? Does it, it tell you when your IQ goes up? <laughs> only when I'm around you. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't have you to, know have, I don't I have, to have a ring about it's this. It's when Pastor Tim's around, <laughs> we all get a little smarter. <laughs> the latency, it's, it always hits me. I fall asleep most nights within like two minutes, and it, it gives me a big... Are you serious? It gives me a big red thing. It drops my, my sleep score. That's a wonderful thing. Yeah. yeah. I, get, I don't know. I, well, I mean... The do ring you, doesn't like do it. Do you wake up through the night? So I, I could show you my graph last night, deep sleep. I just didn't yeah. get there. I went deep, back, light, deep, but I just back and forth. But you weren't like up two or three times. Oh, no, it night. has movement. It'll tell you if you move. That's it, really great. It just, it's Maybe just, that's why we feel so No, it's alive. really not good. It's just oh. like it's tracking you, and you know it. Because like I wake up at night, and it's on my right hand. You're and the so one that's I like don't move. There. I don't move my I move my whole body, but I don't move my right hand. So because you're, <laughs> of course you do. Oh All right, enough about my ring. But oh, it's I a beautiful you. morning. This I is love t- you. Oh <laughs> it's a Tuesday morning uh, when we're taping. It is a beautiful morning outside. So I, I hope, hope everybody has a friend. Like I have a friend <laughs> in you. It. No, you I mean, it. I, mean I, was, it. I was actually at lunch yesterday and saw another church's host set of ministers at First yeah. Baptist Clarksville, yeah, and yeah, they yeah. immediately recognized the ring. Are you serious? Because they have them? I don't know. Oh. I didn't look. They said it looks a little loose on you. They like, recognized hey, hey. the ring because we've talked about it, or just like Jonathan, what's that ring? No, on your they finger? just saw it. No, yeah. they didn't know who I was. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm a nobody. Okay, uh, let's see. Sunday. Oh, what a great day. It was a great day, but before we got to Sunday, we yeah. had a Friday. Yes, we did. Last week, you you kind of gave us a, an invitation yep. at the CHS football games. Yep. Um, Real Life is doing concession stands three times. We've already now done one. Yes. One's coming up this Friday. Yes. How was this last Friday? It was great. We had people show from Real Life. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's great. Oh, yeah. You know, so, <laughs> you know what was so awesome? Last year, we did this. I think we may have only done it once last year. And a family met us while we were doing it. And they had just moved to town. And she's like from South Africa, has a brilliant accent, you know. Well, they they, they only visited the church once or twice. And then life took over and they've not been in church anywhere. 
they walked back up and they saw us all out there and they came up and, and immediately called me by name and I'm having to do Rolodex, you know, you know, rewind. And I, and I, and I remember, and so it was like this great touch point moment for, for them. And they're like, we got to get back. We got to come back, you know, got to come back to church, you know? Um, but it's a huge introduction to so many people, uh, just showing hospitality. It was great. We had a great turnout and, uh, Daniel Cox, DJ Daniel Cox is leading this Friday night. So if you want to jump in and join the party, uh, they, you doing it in one shift or two shifts, Daniel, one shift, like five o'clock to when the, till, you know, a little after the game's over. Um, so email Daniel right now, Daniel at reallifesango.com. Um, normally you can text mission, but this, he's going to, He's going to get this right in his inbox and get you signed up, Daniel, at reallifesingo.com. So it's just great for, so I, I sat in front of a couple, sat behind a couple this week, I, I think their child, and there's this guy, this young man that came in, who I, we, Rachel, I knew very well from a couple restaurants. We're like, oh, wow, there's, there's him. And so anyway, we met the couple. They were just friends. The young man and the couple were friends. So I go to... I actually go out to eat yesterday where I saw the ministers and I see this couple. Nice. And they, and I introduced myself and said, Hey, da, 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 da. And they said they had kind of just quit going during COVID. Yeah. But now they're coming back again. So I I say all that to say people see us at church. Yeah. But they want to see us out in the community because just that's who we are. We're just real life folks. That's right. Uh, And so anyway, I thought, so this Friday, email Daniel at reallifesango.com. Do it this week. Yeah. It'll be a lot of fun. It, it, that's the, I, mean, th- I think that's what I want to notice. It's it's fun. It's fun. Packing in, serving people, but doing yeah. it together. Yeah, and you're going to get to meet a couple of new real lifers you don't know yet. So That's right. Yeah. Uh, speaking, real quick, speaking of great accents, Dan, is it Daniel? No, Daniel. Andy. Andy Gardner. Gardner. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So he walked second <laughs> server. He's walked down the road, and I was sitting on the end, as you know. Yeah. And I had I was going to, like, pat him on the back, which I did, yeah. and I was going to say, now you have your job every Sunday morning. Yeah. <laughs> Andy Gardner is from London, England. Oh, the best accent and ever. Le- you may not know this little detail. So Laurie Gardner, she and I, this is really bad. This is why, in part, I'm on a podcast. My senior year, they make up a brand-new senior superlative not Mr. NEHS, not most handsome, not most likely to succeed, most talkative. <laughs> what is that? What is it? Like senior superlatives are supposed to be like something like that honors you, not makes fun of you, right? Well, so, you are a preacher, brother. So, I know, I, mean, I know, come I know. On, I know. But, I, but I, it was one of those totally not self-aware moments yeah. where I'm like, really? Most talkative? Do I talk a lot? You know, um, I was a senior in high school. Anyways, Laurie, his wife, she got she got it with me too. Oh wow! I oh yeah, yeah. So we've been like fast friends like since our freshman year in high school. Well, she goes on some girls' trip to England and meets him in London on New Year's Eve. Oh wow! And now they're married today. Crazy. And the the greatest story about Andy, I, I remember he and I sat down at Plumline Coffee like really early on, and you know he my first meeting with him, he had had some real painful experiences. And it had hardened his heart to God. And so he'd gotten to the point where I'm not even sure God's there. And if he's there, I'm angry at him. And if we go to church anywhere, it's going to be like a high church because I'm used to Church of England. And and Laurie started singing on our worship team. 
and God just started softening Andy's heart. And he shows up in my office one day, and he literally slides his testimony written out on a piece of paper across the desk. Great. And I read it, and it's like, oh, my gosh. And then he goes out to eat with his wife and does the same thing. And she's like, oh, my gosh, you know. And so we we baptize him. And then so Sunday, in honor of, you know, the queen, sure. the queen's death, he reads Psalm 23 in King James in that brilliant Just, English accent. He's got his new job. Sorry. Uh, you got your new job. Rachel's into the queen. Not going to talk about that, but she is like yeah. binging everything queen because she loves the whole story. So I don't want to talk too much on this, but but it's funny because Matt Papa, who we'll talk about in a second. Well, you just mentioned him, so Matt Papa. Yeah, Matt Papa, our guest worship leader this yeah. past Sunday. Modern hymn writer. We can talk about that. But right, like when we were before the service and Andy was like testing the mic, he said, um, he said, you know, he said, just just read it because you're gonna sound <laughs> you're gonna sound so Great. much smarter yes. than all of us, Absolutely. you know. And um and I and I said, unfortunately, the reverse is not true. When we come to England, <laughs> we don't really sound smart to everybody there. You know, they they'll have smiles. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, what else was I gonna say about that? I think that may have been it. But, so we uh, did have Matt. We'll, we'll switch to Matt Papa. So we had Matt Papa. So um, did a great job. You know, it was so. I went second service, but what was so fun about it was, I don't know if y'all practiced the question, but you asked him that question, what is a uh-huh, modern, modern, hymn writer. So, yeah. modern songwriter, a hymn writer? And he was like, uh, and so he was very, very uh, organic, very, very uh, easy to listen to. He wasn't awesome. rehearsed. Yeah. And I think he did a really, really great job. He's when he said, um, I want these songs to, what did he say, last Out, a long Outlast time? us. Well, he said songs to last a long time. I thought he meant like multiple verses at first. <laughs> we want an eight-minute song. <laughs> I thought that's what he meant. But well, Maverick I think City's that. nailing that. It doesn't have to be hey, him. There's, that's, hey, that's, that's meditative songs there. But uh, anyway, I, it was great. Matt Papa, um, we were honored to have him. I hate yes. to say that, but we were really oh, honored yeah. honored to have him. And uh, I think, I, I, think I, I appreciate you saying that because I think like because – because a friend connected us, yeah. It wasn't until Sunday night that I really, I really reflected upon God's using His songs around the world, right? And He was at real life. He's at real life. What a beautiful thing that we we got to connect in one sense to the global church mm-hmm. by having Matt just so simply and humbly lead in our, you know, in, in the church that he leads in, you know, is a small little Presbyterian church down on Marco Island in Florida, you know. So it's like. He's not a big fanfare guy, yeah. you know, and just a... That's a better word, fanfare. He wasn't very fanfare, even in yeah. his responses. And Yeah, but so if you weren't there, Matt Papa, who used to be like in the, you know, used to have like a band and that kind of stuff. Anyways, God began to do something with some music that he wrote, some songs that he wrote. And so now he's been, a, he's like, God's established him as a modern hymn writer that he explains as, well, we want to write songs that outlast us. So your typical worship song that we sing it you know i joked and said it lasts about six minutes you know like literally like you know like and um so every song we sang sunday was a song he's written one of them his mercy is more let me ask you did you have a favorite one well i'm it's always easy for a familiar song yeah uh yeah. i did like you mentioned almost home oh, last goodness. week so oh, it was i was more anticipatory for that one if, uh, but yes. rachel had tears in her eyes for most of them she yes. loves hymns and i knew she would and yeah. the uh and the congregation i guess that's what we call it, the yeah. group the yeah. gathering they were just as expressive because the songs are a little bit more low-key they're yeah. not 
but still just as expressive in really worship. Really hear the voices. That's the beauty of the hymns, you know. But I was just saying, you know, even hand raised and all that. It's just it was oh, yeah. just just gotcha. as expressive as when we do on any other Sunday morning, and awesome. and it was more of a low key setting. So anyway, yo yeah. If you missed Sunday, if you weren't there, go listen to the song "Almost Home" on Spotify. It was recorded by Matt Papa and Matt Boswell together, but. Uh, what a yeah. treat. Was well, great great to have that. And so you finished up your you finished up your prayer sermon series yeah. with just a great boom. And that was hearing oh, man. from the people yeah. about what the sermon series and what their now new hope found dedication in praying out loud at home. Every day. You're I did it right. It finally took me man. four weeks. I did it. Uh, so, yeah, I thought the testimonies, at least second service, were just very organic, very real, you know, just great. I was blown away. I mean, it was it's the sweetest thing. It's always a risk, you know, when you mm. open up testimonies. And I intended to hold the microphone because every now and then somebody will, like, Maybe take the microphone and they'll start telling a life story that has nothing <laughs> to do with the question you just asked, you know. Um, but sure enough, I just passed the microphone right off to everybody, you know. The testimonies were so heartfelt. Here's here's what we noted in, in our staff meeting yesterday. In, in our testimonies, bridging between both services, we had one of our elders, Paul Boney, yes. gave a testimony. We had, um, we had a, a community group uh, host, uh, community group host, uh, Cheryl No gave a testimony. Okay. Um, we had a ministry team leader, Scotty Coyle, give a testimony. We had a little kid. Oh, go ahead. Go, yeah, no, no, go ahead. So we were on the other side, and I know we're transitioning with speakers. So we have, like, speakers on loan. And, That's and, right. And so you got the other speakers. And so he said it, I swear I thought he said he was stuck in a booth. <laughs> a booth, yeah, a <laughs> like, boot. Yeah. <laughs> like, what kind of booth are you at home yeah, stuck in? That's yeah, a great like, idea for the kids when they start acting up. I'm going to stick them in a boot. <laughs> boot. So he was in a boot. Go ahead, he had sorry. a boot on his foot. Boot. And that, his, his foot. explanation quickly cleared that up. So we had a kid. Um, we had a young couple uh, who this year, this calendar year, visited real life. And it was the first time they've ever stepped a foot in a church for one of them. And, and now they're praying. It's great. Yeah. And and so you had this and then we had a soldier's wife. He's deployed. And their testimony was they were about to move to DC for him to be on a track for 20 years in the military, but they've both been praying this acts like mm-hmm. individually, him deployed her at home. And God's moved in their heart in his heart that he's going to retire and be a family man, be at home. And she's just in tears and she's like I'm so excited about this. Mm-hmm. But it was um the courage for her. And then we had this one other lady who's been coming like three weeks. So it's just like the folks that raised their hand to give testimony of what God was doing was like the most beautiful swath in the life of our church. Rarely does a pastor ever get to get feedback from a sermon series. Like that. You get wow. you get an email, you'll get sure. a pat on the back, great Great job today, Pastor. Uh, right. I, I didn't sleep, but halfway through it this you week. You got him. You told him today. <laughs> but to, to yeah. have someone yeah. in that fearful situation stand up and say it, that's got to be in a lot to what God is doing through in through your leadership, yes. Fred, through your sermons, then, and also uh, what he's doing in and around real life. God's working everywhere. That's right. That's just basic Bible. But the great news about real life is he's chosen us to be part of that movement, and yeah. I just think that's great. Yeah. Um, yes, absolutely. Hey, it's great to be on the podcast today. We've got a guest coming up in got a guest segment this morning. two. 
the the one, the only, hold. Let's the just, legendary. Let's just hold it. We'll tell you his name when we come back. We'll see. Every Sunday is somebody's first Sunday in real life. We believe God has put you in the neighborhood and in the job and at the ballpark or at the gym, right where he wants you to influence and invite others into his story, into a relationship with him. So here's today's challenge. Text a friend right now. Stop what you're doing. Send them a message and invite them to join you at Real Life this Sunday. Who knows? Maybe it'll be their first step into a relationship with God. Every Sunday is somebody's first Sunday at Real Life. So text that friend today. All right, we're back. So Fred, occasionally, you know, we got into it. Every week was a was yeah. a was a, a guest. Yes. Daniel Cox was one of our first guests. If you didn't hear Daniel Cox's story, go into the archives, scroll down, Crazy. find his story. Daniel Cox's story. I was just my eyes were like wide open, texting Freddie all night. I was like, can him, you believe that story? Yeah. That's a great story. It's an amazing. Story. We got to get him back on behind the mic. I know. Uh, he just finished a paper on Nehemiah. He told me all about it. Did he? Yeah, yeah. He said it wasn't that bad. I don't yeah. believe it. But today, you know, it was a year ago, Fred, that you did one of your first interviews uh, with the elders, uh, incoming elders, me and Paul, and then Chuck and Bing, and that's almost a year ago. That's kind of how we had that really high end equipment. <laughs> we had a phone on a table <laughs> that we were just Echo, talking. Echoey. That was like clicking something. But today we have John Carter. John Carter. What's your full name? Jonathan Carter. No no middle name? Uh, Come on, dog. I never say my middle name. You do on the Jonathan, podcast. Jonathan Hunter Carter. Hunter. Dude, mm-hmm. that, that's a strong middle name. Yeah. You don't need to be ashamed of that one. I'm not ashamed. I just don't go by it. Yeah. Jonathan Hunter Carter. <laughs> Can you call him JH if you call me JV? No, no. no it'd be JC, never, I guess. Yeah. Where were you oh, born? JC, yeah. Where were you born, man? Uh, I was born in Richmond, Kentucky. Richmond, Kentucky. Did you grow up there? Kind of, sort of. For a few years, uh, my dad was in sales, so we jumped around um, all the way to Florence, Kentucky, and then you know he would open a new office and we'd move. I've lived in Florence, Georgetown, um, down to Corbin, London area, so right on the I seventy five, right in the middle of the meat of Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. What what age did you come to Christ? Um, officially, like um, when God was stirring in my heart, it was either twelve or thirteen. Um, I'd have to look at my baptism paper to figure out yeah, the year. Exactly, <laughs> that's right. right. Yeah, that, that's what baptism papers are good for. <laughs> that's right. right. It's like, yeah. when it's did like I get saved? Oh, yeah, I lost baptism. Yeah. Um, where did you meet your wife? I met my wife um, at a local mission trip in Kentucky um, called Kentucky Changers. T- tell us a little bit about that and her. Okay. Uh, well, Kentucky Changers is... Or tell us about, tell us about when you met her. Like, when, just that whole, yeah. Okay. Well, um, Kentucky Changers, you have to be uh, 13 to go. And so I went my very first year when I was 13. Uh, she's a few years older than me, so she was already there. How many years older is she? Uh, she wouldn't like it, but she's four years older than I me. love it. John Carter with the older woman. <laughs> Daniel Cox is fist pumping over here because he married an older woman. Jonathan, well, we won't talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> We, we absolutely are not talking about that. <laughs> Moving on, yeah, JC. You're, you're talking about. I mentioned it, but uh, but uh, yeah, she was already in leadership when I got there, and so that was. Uh, Ooh, she was your camp counselor. <laughs> Stop. 
few years later, yes, <laughs> you could say that just, for sure. I just want to make sure I understand the story right. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I got you. Gosh, let's uh, move forward. So we we met twelve years ago now, um, and then we became good friends about uh, ten years ago, um, and then just things gradually proceeded from there. You just uh, met her this one week. How did you guys become friends? Did you go back? That, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I've been back every year for, what I say, 12, 12 years now. Amazing. Um, and yeah. she was back the second year? Is that what you, mm-hmm. Yeah. So did you guys keep in touch after the first year, or did you show back up and go, oh, there's that pretty girl again? Well, Kentucky Changers, they, they claim to be a huge family, and it and it really is because the same people So you people married your come. sister. I see. <laughs> I mean, I was trying oh to keep God. it biblical. Sorry. You know? Oh, my God. Sorry. I'm this sorry, Jamie. So I'm incredible. Sorry. John, please forgive me. No, oh, my God. He's so wound up. Go ahead, John. <laughs> but it was, uh, it was really cool because I got to, you know, witness her relationship with Christ in such an organic way. Yes. Because, yes, she was in leadership, but, like, she— there wasn't any pressure like, oh, you know, I'm going to, you know, date her and, right. or anything like that. I mean, early on, um, of course, I think all guys can say this, but, like, I always thought she was out of my league. So, yeah. you know, I would, boy. I would watch her from afar, but I wouldn't ever get close. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then we became really good friends, um, and she was in charge of this thing called the ministry team. And it's basically where uh, high schoolers, like seniors, and then uh, – People going into college that age kind of go and take some leadership and kind of instruct the youth um, and help them, you know, spiritually pray for them, talk about any of their problems and stuff. Um, And that's what she's been, she has led, um, I think she was head over it for 13 years. Okay. Um, So how did this friendship really escalate? It was was really whenever I applied to be um, on the ministry team. Because I loved Kentucky Changers so much because um, most of the time you go with the youth group and they only do one week. And Kentucky Changers as the organization, um, at depending on what year, would do three to four different weeks in different locations. And they're intensive mission trip weeks, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, basically, the quick overview of a Kentucky Changers is you arrive on Saturday, uh, you meet your crew because it's a work crew, um, what we would do is we'd go work on low-income housing or elderly um, houses, um, just people couldn't, that can't, can't either pay for it or do the work or any of that. Um, and so we would, at the time, we would re-roof roofs, you know, shingle. We would build wheelchair ramps for handicap uh, or the elderly. We'd repaint we would do landscaping. Uh, one year, I dug a French drain line around a house. So then you joined this ministry team that she was leading. Correct. What happened next? Um, and then it was really, it was really the first week that I saw her, and like that was that was the moment that I was like, oh crap, <laughs> like, <laughs> like I mean I know we've been friends, but wow, now you're now you're on the team together, right? For how many weeks was that? Uh, we were on the team together for three weeks. Yeah, that'll do it right there. So. Yeah, just and being obviously she was the leader, but being closer as far as because she wasn't always you know on the crew or on the job. Yeah. yeah. So. So how quickly from there did the romance begin, and did you guys get married? Uh, so f- I think if my dates are correct, uh, about three years from when I joined the ministry team to where when we actually got married, we got married last year, 
We've got... you only been married a year? Two weeks until our first year anniversary. Are you anniversary. serious? Yep. You got, I remember that now. Yeah. Because you guys invited me to participate in your Shoot. wedding, and I couldn't do it. I, you know, things get blurry in the head when you get past 40, John. But, um, <laughs> okay, it's crazy because you guys sound like you've been married 15 years when you talk. You guys are so in love. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I contribute that to um, being incredibly... Um, almost impassionate, no, um, intentional. Yeah. Because, you know, my family history, you know, my uncles and my, my grandparents and everything, everyone got remarried and they had, in my opinion, awful marriages. My parents are the only couple that's actually been married once and has stayed together. Yeah. Um, and their 35th anniversary is next year. Yeah. Cool. Um, and so I was insanely intentional with finding a spouse. Yeah. Um, and so was so was she because yeah. she had a really really uh really bad background um being raised by a single mother and you know um her history and everything from that. Well, I'm super excited for JV and the podcast listeners to get to know you a little bit, to get to hear a little bit of your story cuz I love I love the way you and Chesney carry your life. I love your passion for ministry and just the way you serve the church. It's so awesome. Um, so happy one year, almost anniversary. Well, thank you. Um, what, uh, what's been the most surprising thing in marriage first year? Mm. Most surprising. Did um, you know that I, I made my wife cry every other day for the first two months of our marriage? I think I, I think you told me that because <laughs> yeah. the funny thing is hang in there, folks. We hang in there. <laughs> We love going to marriage counseling and or like you know events and stuff. Yeah, yeah. and it's really fun because we're we're the couple that has the most fun at those events because yeah. the couples go and yeah. you know they're trying to seek uh, you know counsel and everything. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's really serious. But me right. and Chesney are out in the corner laughing yeah, and just joking. That's so good, man. Uh, we actually attended the first real life uh, wedding. Love and, be, love and be loved. Yeah. Oh no, what were you saying? Sorry, uh, I the you. the marriage night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love and be loved. Yeah. Um, and and that was a few months before we were even married. So I think so cool. I heard that story whenever. That's uh, we why went. your marriage is so awesome. <laughs> That's one of the reasons, Fred. Here's what not reasons. to do. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm what, what is she down down to one cross one time a week now? What's that? Susan. What are you talking about? She week. said she cries every week. You made her cry every week. <laughs> yeah. Down, down. yeah. You're making progress. Now. Yeah. Hey, so I joke about that. Not to like, A, of course, that's not badge of honor. A great we got thing, yeah, right? Right. Um, but just to say, look, we're all broken Absolutely. individuals, you know, in, in Tim Keller, in one of his books, I think the meaning of marriage, he writes that, uh, about the myth of compatibility, mm-hmm. you know, like two selfish sinners are not compatible, you know, like mm. that's a myth, you know? And, um, so marriage is hard work, but it's so rewarding and worth every amount of work you put into it. And, um, so, bro, you and Chesney, just amazing. How'd you guys find real life? Uh, I moved down to Clarksville because I'm not from around here. I moved down a Kentucky. few months. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm a few months before the wedding just to get settled before the wedding because I knew there was going to be hectic and craziness going on. Um, and one of the first things that I told her, I was like, we need to find a home church. Like, So that way, you know, we're not. At the beginning of our marriage, we're not looking for a church because that's just another you know stressful thing to put on the marriage. I'm like, let's figure that out. Before. How old are you, John Carter? I'm 24. That does not sound like 24 year old wisdom, brother. Mm-hmm. That sounds like I have been very blessed 30, in my life. I've had a lot of uh, men uh, mentor me in, into 
who I am today. Yeah. Uh, All right. So I'm a lot of guidance. I, we actually Googled it. There, yes, hey, did. hey, hey. You know how we found it, Fred? We Googled it. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I told the story to the ministers yesterday. Did yeah. You? Uh, because it was, it was kind of a struggle because my wife and my now mother-in-law, they went... They liked visiting churches. They yeah. liked, you know, jumping around. They like visiting lots of churches. Lots of like, churches. Like, don't hold me down. I want to go right. drink from all the fountains. Right. Yeah. And especially uh, for the listeners that actually attend Sunday service, <laughs> you'll know my mother-in-law by her God's Got This shirt. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, her energy. June. Is just, oh, it's. I told him before we started that she, June, is my mother incarnate again. I mean, wow. that was my mother. I never would have thought of that, but she did the bedazzle like, before yes. bedazzle became out. She was gluing on like glitter, even on their her hair shirt. color and like, oh, almost style, yeah. you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. mom yeah. dances. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry, June. But, um, so her being her, she likes visiting churches, meeting new people. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. it, it, she would walk into a new church and start greeting people at the door. People right. thought she was a long time right. member right. and it'd first be her Sunday first week. Yeah. That's why June rolls. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and but, so I told her, I was like, you know, I want to find a church that you guys have never been to. She looked at me and she's like, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, all right. And uh, so we, we Googled it. I'm like, have you ever went, you know, to real life Sango? And she's like, well, no. <laughs> and so we're like, hey, let's give it a shot. We walked in. Of course, we knew about the city forum. Um, we were actually there a few months before we uh, uh, went for uh, church. Yes. And... As soon as we walked in the door, just the atmosphere um, was just very overly friendly and just like family oriented. I think before we even got to the Madison room, I, th- I, I think three or four people uh, asked us, you know, our morning's been or, you know, said good morning and uh, actually made that connection um, and talked to us. And then course being married we've had to slack off on this a little bit but we were insanely intentional with being on time we live by the motto if you're not early you're late i love it and so we got there early and you guys started i mean to the minute on time i mean we watched our phones just for the fun of it oh you're and making like, my day it turned on uh it hit 8 30 because that's the first service we went to it hit 8 30 and then the music started i was three minutes late to the podcast today Three? I know. Four? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that's, so that's that's how we You know why we start so well on time? It's not because we're, like, so super amazingly organized. It's because we got to be out of the building at a certain time. Right. So it's like, yeah. we better start on time. If oh, gonna... I thought it was the clock. The clock always thought Well, that, that helps us. <laughs> <laughs> you're so funny. Um, I'm so glad you guys found us. How quickly after that first Sunday did you know you were you'd found your home church? How long did it take? We had a very strong inkling that first Sunday, but probably definitely set in stone the second or third week That's that we amazing. went. That's quick. Um, just because we knew what we were looking for. Yeah. We we weren't looking for a regular, you know, church that we you go on Sunday and then that's it. No one talks to you, mm-hmm. you know. Sure. Nothing like that. Uh, we definitely wanted the connection uh, because we both grew up in church. So we weren't looking for just a church. We were looking for our home church. So when we went in and it was more about family than it was um, anything else, as soon as you walk into the door, I mean, we knew that's what we were looking for. And then you got up there and you were just so, 
you lived out the name of the church. When when you started preaching, I can't remember the topic because it's been over a year now. You're good. But it was such a real um, sermon because, like, you mentioned stuff that I've very, very rarely heard wow. from the pulpit. Uh, yeah, and funny. you just addressed it so well. So, Bro, you are encouraging your pastor today. Thank you. <laughs> Seriously. So this summer, you started uh, a, a men's Bible study. Sure did. In, our, in, in the summer, community groups ramped down. You mm-hmm. started a men's Bible study. You've continued it on a little bit. I have. Yeah? Yeah. Um, so we decided to host a men's group for the summer study and do the uh, study Wild at Heart by John Eldridge. Um, it, it was a study that I've done multiple times. Uh, I've done with different groups and different just individuals and read the book and everything. And so I wanted to open it up and see who wanted to join me on that journey. And after we were ramping down on it, and so I asked the guys, I was like, hey, you know, I'm willing to host it if you guys are willing to come. You know, after this study, we'll we'll come up with whatever you guys want to do. You know, we can write down different questions that you've got on paper, and then we'll start discussing those. You know, any biblical questions at all, even life questions, because um, uh, I just wanted to be real and, and everything. What struck me by that is the initiative that you took. Le- leadership leadership can be defined in a few words. Influence would be one of them, mm. but initiative is another one. Mm-hmm. And so you you had some men, some men that were teachable. You had something to offer. You said, let's do it. You took the initiative right. and said, let's do it. And, and a few of them said, yeah, let's do it. Oh, absolutely. They responded to your initiative. Yeah, yeah. And because uh, today is Tuesday, the technically the last week is is in two days. Way to go. Thursday man. night. So you continued to disciple these guys once the summer study was over. Yeah. Way to go. Uh, and then you signed up to facilitate a community group. Yep, host and facilitate. Uh, why? Why did you guys do that? Um, because we were a part of a community group last year um, because... That was before we got married, so we were still trying. We were just trying to get connected to the church. We were looking for that family. We were looking for another young couple that you know we can hang out with. You know that we knew that were Christians that were um, that could just help us on our journey. Um, and from our first week at community group, I looked after after it you know had ended. We got in the car and I looked at Chesney and I was like, "Oh, we are totally hosting and facilitating one next year." Why? Most people don't say that. Why? What? What made you say that? Why? Because I love leading. I love talking to people. Um, I have, like I said before, you know, I've been blessed as far as being mentored into who I am today, and mm-hmm. I feel kind of a sense of duty to um, share that to others, um, and and at the very least, uh, just give someone a safe space to grow into and just be there to ask questions. So I just love being around people like that. So good. Wow. It's great. I'm so fired up. I'm, I'm <laughs> serious. I'm so fired up. So not to segue to the community group, but listen, he just jumped into the church last year, jumped into a community group last year, and uh, he saw the value. John, you saw the value. Absolutely. And what you said when you first walked in, it was family-oriented, and people said, how are you? But it wasn't just a Sunday, Wednesday event. It was was an all-week event. And Mm -hmm. the best way to do that, I think you would agree, 
the best way to do that is community groups. Absolutely. You just said you were looking for people of like-minded that, that you kind of knew that you could hang out and call and text during the week when mm-hmm. things came up or they could do the, the, the likewise. And so this is where community groups is real life church. This is the heart of real life. And you are a perfect example of someone that's willing just to jump in and do it Mm -hmm. and now host and facilitate to lead out Uh, another Freddie. You you give me props every week and I appreciate that again. My my hair stands up. I feel so proud of my, but here's another community group that has spun out a facilitator and a host. That's right. And so can't wait for those people. Now that are sitting on the fence, John, if they're sitting on the fence today, jump, jump. Why would you jump? What's there? What's on the other side? The ability to host and facilitate, you know, whichever one you feel comfortable with is such an opportunity to love and be loved because something that a lot of people don't understand is um, whenever you take on something to lead or um, to teach, you actually get taught a lot uh, for the preparation and everything. So, Whenever you host a group at your house, you have people that are coming in are looking to be loved, but they're also looking to love. Yeah. Uh, especially uh, real life, um, because, I mean, real life wouldn't be real life without community groups. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better. You should have coined that, Fred. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so if you're on the fence to join, even if you, you know, facilitate and host, that's great. But if you just want to join, you're like, I don't know. John says jump. I don't know what's there. Let me tell you what's there. Real life's there. And that's not the church. Those are the people. That's what you're looking for in this life is real life. You're going to find a group of people that love Jesus and that have an idea of why we created you and why you were created. And here's, so, here's one of the things I would just I would add on to that. You know, we've had, at real life, with our groups, we've had incredible success at, at, like at chemistry forming. So, you know, typically, you have 30 groups. You might have seven or eight of them that just don't stick, that just don't make because you can't, you can't force chemistry. Well, I think the, I think what I, the way I want people to think about it is, you know, a, um, you, we, we've got this, this saying where strangers become friends and friends become family. Um, these aren't necessarily going to be your best friends, but they're going to be your family that John, you highlighted that where you love one another. And I think the thing that, I think the thing that I just want to just lay in there is it's not just a promise that you're going to have this dynamic experience, but there's even a deeper conviction. You use the word duty, which was interesting. There's this deeper conviction that as Christians, we are the church and the church needs me. There's people that need me to, pray for them and encourage them and bear their burden. Mm. And if I don't join a community group, there's a gap. Mm. Like there's somebody not being cared for. So the experience really is amazing. Like, JV, you'd come in telling me about all these new people you're meeting in your community group, and that experience was deeply rewarding for you. Um, You were in a community group, and the the experience was so rewarding, you're going to host and lead one now. Absolutely. But I think I think – for those that join a community group this fall, and, you know, middle of the fall, they're going, you know, like, I just don't know if my community group has the magic that JV's group does and, and that John's group does. Um, don't don't look for the magic as much as you look for this, this covenantal love, this covenantal love. 
um, in the sense of community group is an opportunity. John, I love what you said is to love and be loved. Community group is an opportunity for us to love our church family the way God loves us. Right. And God loves us when we're unlovable, right? So let's let's keep it real. There might be somebody that's really annoying in your community group. They don't shut up. They always talk about them. It's always drama, you know. And, right. You know, and you're like, oh my goodness, how did we end? This is our first, you know, like, you know, it, it's like people people have some stories of community groups gone bad. You know what I mean? Um, but it may be that somebody won't shut up because nobody in their life has ever listened to them. Yeah, I would say um, my my dad has kind of this famous saying to that kind of answers that at least for for me. Um, his when when Christ told us that He's going to make us fishers of men, well, if there's any like fishermen out there that they know, fish are stinky, they're <laughs> slimy, they're nasty. That's good. You know, they're going to have their problems, yeah. um, and so you know, expect that kind of. Um, expect issues because it's real life. It's not fake. It's not um, organized. Most of them aren't organized or anything like that. It's not. It's not a facade. It's community groups, a place that you can take the facade off and be who you are. And then there's a group of people that's at least willing to accept you. Yeah. In that. Yeah, that's so good. I've got a friend that signed up for a community group in like, and I think he was in one like ten years ago, and. The very first meeting, the very first meeting, all these people started confessing sin wow. and, and like people started weeping and like it was like, and he was like ran as fast as he could out of there. <laughs> it was like, what have I just stepped into, you know? And so we train our leaders well uh, to, to start off in a, you know, to warm up, you know, mm-hmm. like we're not diving in the deep end week one, yeah. right? There's a natural progression of getting to know people. Nobody's going to force you to... Um, confess sin. Nobody's going to force you to, you know, to share your deepest, darkest, you know, that happens as you build trust and trust takes time. And so by design, you meet weekly, you commit to it. And then over time that trust builds. And I love the stories when I hear people say, uh, A, I didn't want to go to community group, but my wife made me. (laughs) And B, I told her I'm not going to be one of those people that open up and share our, you know, share all of our stuff. And then they end up like being a host or being a facilitator because that experience of feeling safe, that experience of, Oh wow. I didn't know how helpful it was to have someone bear my burden. Um, they're, they're just sold and they're like, I need this. Everybody needs this. So speaking of what we need, it starts Sunday, by the way. So we're on Tuesday. It starts this Sunday. If I had my dates better, I would have my date out, but I don't know what this date Groups is. Groups start. They, they start meeting. It starts this Sunday. The 18th. the 18th. Thank you, DJ Daniel Cox. 18th. That's right. starts this Sunday. My group will meet one week from this Friday for the first week. So you going to meet in here? you going to meet over meeting there? in the lounge right, right, right here, here. Right yeah. where we take yeah. the podcast. Yes. Yeah, so you got very, a full group, man. I love it. got 10 so far, including hey, every time I've been, Every time I've checked your group, I've thought, should I join this group? Yeah. <laughs> show Are up. you sure? Show up. Okay, okay, I only have 12 you. spots. So yeah, 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 remember, we don't want to agree. So right. you, got, you got two left, brother. And I was going to invite two, so you better hurry up. So anyway, so it's going to be a, uh, so it's going to be, uh, I'm super excited about doing it. I'm doing a men's group too, John, mm. and uh, I'm looking forward to it. So listen, text mission to 97,000. It's not too late. Join a community group. We're going to, we're going to not beat this. I can't say horse anymore. I just feel so bad about it all, but we're going to let it go. What do you feel bad about? What happened to a horse? Like beating a dead horse. It's just so Uh, not 
yeah, you need a new PC crate. anymore. So, John Carter, <laughs> we're about to uh, take a break. It was great to hear a little snippet of your life. We are so glad that you and Chesney and June have found Real Life Sango. I know you're going to be a great part and are a great part of what God's doing there. But Amen. Yeah, let's go back. Your last sermon on uh, prayer. That's right. We're gonna we're gonna hit it just quickly. You got to pray just to quickly, make unless it I get rolling. That's I, and why I got we a lot pray. to say. But as you're as you're singing, let's let's sing us out to the third segment. That's why we pray. See you in a second. Got to pray just to make it today. You know what I hear from time to time as a pastor? Pastor, I don't feel connected. And that breaks my heart when people say that because community groups are where people can feel connected. And usually folks have not signed up for a community group. They've not made it a priority to connect with people. And then they feel isolated and unknown. You don't have to experience that. Sign up for a community group today. They start the week of September 18th. Community groups are where strangers become friends and friends become family. Find your people today. Become part of the family. Take that step and text MISSION to 97000 to see what groups are still available. They're filling up quick. Over 270 real lifers have already taken that step to sign up for a community group. I'm praying for you. You can do it. Sign up for a community group today. All right, we're back. So, John Carter, we just learned a little bit about you in the second segment. We are going to hit the sermon, Fred, on what you did on your last sermon of the sermon series on prayer. So we started off in January with with my my second sermon I'd ever done. But when you jump back in, we did Delighting in God, and we delighted in God for a little bit. And so can I be a little bit... Um, Inappropriate's a bad word. Uh, so Rachel and I were talking <laughs> on this weekend and getting ready for the podcast, and we'd say, well, we're delighting in God. That's a check, so I don't have to delight in God anymore because no, we, we, we moved on to prayer. So this last week of prayer means we check off that we don't have to pray, pray anymore out loud at home every day. Uh, and that's a joke. Uh, I'm a very sarcastic person. We don't like sarcasm. <laughs> but I think you ended it with Colossians 4. I don't have my glasses. That's right. But I think why, why I liked why you ended in Colossians 4 is that it is a call for us that the sermon series is over, but the importance uh, of steadfastness steadfastness in prayer never, ever ends. Yes. It is almost, it's, it's so interesting how I say I struggle with prayer, and I know I'm not talking about the Shabbat again today, but how those two, I told you it last week, have so intercombined that prayer, this is like life-shattering, for I mean, earth-shattering for some people, Prayer is the center of your Christian experience with God in worship. Isn't that crazy that I've yeah. just said that after 50 years? It has hit me really, not just from the sermon series, but from the last year, that if you are not devoted to prayer, we're going to talk about that word, I think. If we're not devoted in prayer, if you don't make prayer a priority, you are going to struggle continually in your Christian life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think that, I think by nature the Christian life is a struggle, right? Uh, you know, so so there was that. You know, the Apostle Paul said, "Not that I have taken hold of this, right?" So, so there wasn't like this. The Apostle Paul became such a great prayer that he hit this elite. Like now I've arrived, he says, "But I press on." So I think I would say because because life is such a struggle, we gotta pray. Because the, the but then the essence of Christian life is this communion with God, so it's 
it, to pivot back to the delighting in God, it's not so much our duty to praise as much as, much as it is a privilege, as much as it is a, a gift, right? That God has so graciously given us himself. And I think, I think if that can shift in people's minds of, you know, stop feeling guilty about not praying enough and open your eyes and see what an invitation is before you, you know, what a, what an opportunity. So, yeah, but I, but I like what, I like what you said, because what you're, what you're pointing to is the simplicity of the Christian life. It sets your, you know, you mentioned the Shema again. I think you keep mentioning this Shema. I love it. Deuteronomy six. And so it, it just prioritizes yourself, your day, what you do, why you do. And, uh, and I just think that that prayer, it, you have to pray devoted to prayer. And so you mentioned this word devote. So, uh, you know, you always hit me every week about my words, especially the Greek, you know, the seminary professor said, I you, saw your eyes light up. Bro, oh my when gosh. I started I, it. I, I was nudge rage. I was like, Oh my gosh, except you didn't say it, which is fine. It's a tough word. I looked it up. Uh, no, see, I draw a line. I'm no, not going to start with talking you. in Greek to the I, congregation. I got, a, I got a little app that tells me how to pronounce it. The moment I start talking in Greek to the congregation, everybody goes, Oh, I can't read the Bible like pastor. He knows the Greek. He All knows right. Agree. Anyway, so you did mention this word, which we apparently were not going to to name today. No, you go ahead. I don't know. I I, I didn't look at oh, it. Okay. Proskaterismus. Yeah. I don't know what it was. Anyway, so you did mention the Greek word and uh, and how I loved it because it. Uh, I, I smiled big. I don't know if you can see, but I smiled big because it says it's the word is devote, but it's it's like. Put your talents into something. I see. I remember you talking about this in Joshua, the podcast. Joshua one nine. It was yeah. Joshua one nine. Yeah, it's this, the be strong and courageous. That word strong. Yes. It's not dunamis. It is adhering like an eagle's talents inside a little bunny rabbit. Yeah, you just, which is such a better picture. Were, no. <laughs> were you in the service for us like a tick attaching itself to a yeah. dog? No, no I dropped that in the second <laughs> service. It's like different. such a gross image. <laughs> but anyway, so devote yourself, which means is it is constantly in your hand. It is never leaving you. It's not something you do, as you said, mm. so sacrilegiously two weeks ago. We don't pray to eat. We pray to pray before we eat. And, and so prayer is prayer. It's not something we do at a time. That's why the kind of the Shema is a cool thing. You do morning, noon, and night, uh, and how they have devotion, but how that can become legalistic. As you said, it is an invitation. It is an honor. It's a privilege to be able to get to pray to God. And so when we devote ourselves to prayer means we just don't ever leave it. We pray incessantly. We never stop our moment with God. John, has this sermon series changed you in any way? Absolutely. It's uh, definitely given me a better insight into prayer um, because throughout my life, you know, I've always heard you've, you've got to pray. You know, you should definitely pray, obviously. Um, and then reading the Bible when Christ, you know, throughout his life and his ministry, like prayer was incredibly serious. Like, I mean, he didn't take it lightly. Um, I mean, when he was praying and he told his disciples to pray and they fell asleep, he's like, and then he came back and scolded them for it. He's like, can't you just pray? Can't we just be in communion with God? Uh, So it's definitely opened my eyes to uh, more of the man. There's a word there I can't think of. Um, Well, while you're thinking of it, let me read. 
Colossians 4, 2. Devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. That was the, the, the meat, Fred, of what you talked about. And then you did the picture with this American hero, Brad Fowers, Brad Fowers, Fowers, uh, and uh, you you put the famous picture of Karzai uh, with these American soldiers all around him. You're going to insert him. Uh, one, I had to research it. We have a mutual friend that I'm very close to. We went over this story, and he told me how about a lot of these guys. And, yes. and unfortunately, some of them got killed a month right. later. Right. Um, and. But what an incredible picture. I mean, not just picture, hmm. but what he said was, and I think your point was, it would be the be alert part. You know, you just said it, John, when, mm-hmm. when, he's, when Christ was going up to pray at Garden Gethsemane, he said, mm-hmm. you know, stay awake, be alert, and they right. couldn't. Right. So this is not about staying awake physically necessarily, but it was it was so impactful for me, Freddie. Wow. When Brad and you were looking at this big old picture from that's November of 2001, hmm. how he says how they would put one boot on a time. They were all ready to go at any time because the enemy was about them, and that's all they wanted to get was them. Yeah. And they had no choice but to be alert and to be ready at all times. It totally took me back, Freddie, to Exodus, like everything does. The Passover, 10th plague, they're stuck in Egypt. God's going to bring out his chosen people to the promised land, mm. what's just awaiting for them. Mm. And he says, if you look at Exodus 20, oh, Exodus 20, nothing. Exodus 12, if I can read it, I don't know, but I can read it. It's so small. But it says in essence, I can't see it. Um, it says, when Passover comes, you know, kill the animal, spread the blood all over the, the lentils and doorpost. But have your staff ready. Mm. Have your knapsack ready. Have your sandals on. That's why they couldn't have leavened bread. It wasn't right. because... They couldn't wait for, the, for it to rise. Could not wait for it. And, that, and they celebrated that, what I would call the Moedim, for, for generations. The reason was they were to be alert because God was coming to give them deliverance, and that's what God is giving us today. What he says through Paul is, listen, you are to devote yourself, never leave prayer, and in it, be alert with thanksgiving. God says he's coming. Be alert. Have your staff in hand. Have your sandals on. Your knapsack's on. you got to get ready to roll because the enemy is ready to take you down. Yeah. And it's so, it's so incredible to see a military situation, yeah. a real active theater, yeah. you know, real deal here with a guy that was sitting there behind, young-looking face back in the back. Yeah. And... <laughs> And that was such a great picture. We cannot see ourselves any differently in a Christian's perspective. Mm-hmm. When you're not thinking about God, Colossians 4 is what we just, Colossians 3 says, put your mind on things above and not on things of earth. We live in earth. We live in jobs. We live in kids. We live in diapers. We live in horrible car situations now with the traffic we have. That's life. We don't leave that. We don't do anything different, but our heart is alert mm. on things that are not of this earth. Look where God's working. Look what God's doing around us. So good, man. It's I love that it impacted you the way it did because in in my preparation of it, that little piece impacted me more than anything in the whole mm. sermon series, personally. I feel like it's like, you know, some, some like, 
when you when you prepare a sermon, you want it to impact you first, right? So you, I mean, you just you, you know, they say, uh, think yourself empty, read yourself full, pray yourself hot, you know. So like <laughs> you want it to be, you want it to impact you. Um, but that little piece I'm carrying with me this morning, and so I feel like it's one of those things. It's you know, John Piper says books don't change lives, sentences do. And I think that this is like one little piece of a sermon that's going to shape me. And, you know, it because as I, was, as I was digging in, this readiness, Brad used, he said, we had the constant state of readiness is the way the military uses the phrase. But he said, um, as I was studying it, I, it just took on such rich meaning in that when I dug into everywhere, everywhere this watchfulness is used, it's watchfulness in don't be tripped up by your flesh. It's watchfulness in don't be tripped up by the enemy. And it's watchfulness for Christ's return. So so you're alert in every way. You're alert in um, don't be deceived because you're one step away from stupidity and sin. Um, but also be ready for the rescue, right? So it's not just... We're in a war. Don't sin, 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 right? It's it's not just that we're in a war. Satan's coming after you like a lion, coming after you like a lion. It's it's we're in a war, and there will be a final rescue. There'll be a final rescue. You know, one of the things that Brad said was, you know, they were on the ground, small team, marching this Afghan leader into you know presidency. But all the while there was, there was a, a helicopter above, you know, like that. So it was, they were the only ones on the ground, but there was air, air power, you know, and, um, ready to drop down and attempt to rescue if needed. Um, and, um, I, I, I love that in the sense of we're not at home here. Um, and w- there, there's a little, there's a little phrase that, that when, the mundane takes on meaning when the vision is clear. And I and I think I think one of the reasons why why people live in so much angst is because they think this this is it. This is it. But a rescue is coming. And Jesus is gonna right every wrong. As Sally Lloyd Jones says in the Jesus Storybook Bible, he's gonna make every sad thing untrue. And, and a rescue is coming. So in our angst, in the frustration of our work, in those things, I think that readiness is always remembering, as you quoted Colossians, is set your mind on things above. He's coming again. This is not our home. Um, Jesus said it this way. He said, you know, the so some of the religious leaders were saying, why don't your disciples fast like John the Baptist's disciples fast? And Jesus said, well, the bridegroom is with them. When the bridegroom goes away, then my disciples will fast. In other words, we'll be so homesick for our king that we'll have to fast. Um, hallelujah, the, this this constant state of readiness is not going to let us down. There's going to be a rescue. You probably know Matt Papa in Almost Home had a one of his verses talked about an anchor. I didn't bring it up. Yes, don't. Don't drop a single anchor. Okay. We're almost okay. So, so Rachel and I talked about this last night or this morning. 
how we want a drop in anchor in this world. Now, listen, we just sat there and talked about a whole segment about real life and community groups, and we've got to, you know, bear one another burden and courage, and that is all true. We live in two realities. Mm -hmm. We live in the present physical reality now, but we are living in a spiritual reality that one day we will be home. So be careful where you put your anchor. Oh, man, come on. Because if you put your anchor in things that are down here too much, then you will be not alert to be able to be ever present with the coming promised land and also with the fight with the the prowling line. Here's the opening line to the song Almost Home. Don't drop a single anchor. We're almost home. Through every toil and danger, we're almost home. How many pilgrim saints have before us gone? No stopping now. We're almost home. Live today in the present moment with God in prayer, but with expectation that we're almost home. That's so good. Anything else, brother? John. Yeah, I was going to say, Freddie, if if I could, uh, if you could just tell our listeners what that looks like in, Uh, in, in your in your view what what does that look like what's some practical steps yeah it you know paul uses a phrase sometimes inner man Mm. so that's where it starts um it starts it starts with the hope in our inmost being um which is what everybody desperately needs right Mm -hmm. in that deepest place of who they are they need things to be okay they need things to be made right so it doesn't start off sounding really practical, but the more we think about it, it sounds like the most immensely in urgent practical thing is in that deepest place of who I am, my soul has to be at rest and there has to be a hope. So so practically, the first thing, all these things that we're talking about, it's it's hearing it, considering it, trusting it, and the fruit of that is there's an inner peace, an inner hope um, that, though the trials are many, we don't dismay. Though we suffer, we don't suffer without hope. Though the grind is hard and discouraging, we don't fall into despair. So I would say that's what it looks like first, is, is these bedrock truths strengthen us and they make us strong people in the midst of a broken world. We're weak people. Mm. We are weak, broken, frail people. So how do we become strong? Well, it's through the bedrock truths of the gospel. We're loved by God. This is not our home. Christ is coming again victoriously. Be ready for him. Wait for him. So so first, John, I would say like internally, there's a there's a hope there. But, but what we see in the gospel is this emphasis on take up your cross daily. Jesus, in, in Lamentations, says God's mercy is new every morning. So, so there's this sense in which in our pride, we want to get an injection of Jesus on Sunday. And then we want to go live Monday through Saturday on our own, in right. our own wisdom and our own strength and all that. And so there's this, there's this daily communion with God and renewing our mind to these truths reminding ourselves in first Corinthians 15, Paul says, now I remind you brothers, that which I preached to you, that which was of first importance. So he's reminding them what they already heard, what they already received. Um, so why would he remind them? Because that's, (laughs) 
we forget easily. We've got an enemy who deceives. So, so there's a, a real practical renewing your mind. Renewing Paul in Romans 12 says this is where transformation comes by renewing right. your mind. Mm-hmm. So, so there's the inner man, the hope in that inmost part. And then it's the practical daily renewing your mind. Jonathan always talks about listening to sermons, and I poke fun at him a little bit. Like, you know, it's like, you know, hey, man, you, you listen to all these all-star preachers, and you don't think I'm terrible, you know. Um, but but the reality is, is Jonathan's doing that very intentionally to renew his mind. Right. 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 Um, because so the battleground for the Christian life is in the mind. Right. And that's where the devil will seek to trip us up. Mm-hmm. So you have to actively, intentionally have a good strategy for renewing your mind. In other words, disciples are not made by coasting, right? Right. So, yeah. so the world will disciple you in its values and its ways if you only coast. So if you have no strategy to renew your mind, the devil is already winning in his strategy to renew your mind. Right, I love so, that. Yeah. so you've got to go against the current of the world, against the current of the the values of the world. Renew your mind. So those are the, I mean, those are the those are the first two things. And then I think you know it's like, you know, there's there's things like greed and materialism. Well, what like what what helps us take our talents, our ingle talents, off of the materials of this world and attach it to God? Well, it's the reminder that this world's not our home. Right. Right, so so like, why would why would you invest all your time and all your energy in something that's just going to burn up? Right. So the old preacher joke is, you've never seen a hearse, you've never seen a U-Haul following a hearse, right? You know. (laughs) So so I feel like John, the longer you renew your mind to these truths, and the longer you live life and and just just begin to connect the dots, you begin to see these truths shape the way you think about everything. About everything. I don't know if that's helpful. I don't know if that's what you were yeah, thinking. Yeah, absolutely. What would you add? What would you add to that? <clears throat> um, well, if I could add my <clears throat> goodness um, own um, revolution revelation that uh, God kind of gave to me Sunday as you were preaching, um, as far as having a strategy in prayer um, is and the renewing of your mind. Yes, it's going to be a daily thing because every time you go to you know sleep, you know you have that rest. You kind of have the reprogramming, if you will. You know, he wipes your slate clean. His graces are new every uh, morning. God really laid it on my heart Sunday as you were talking that um, in the watchfulness that and while you were preaching, you were you were talking you have to be awake you have to be uh watching like you were talking about brad's story you know being on the offensive um god kind of laid it on my heart to mm. be watchful for the good things so like as, as far as a practical application if you will is as you pray for you know something as you're going through you know um, the acts and you ask for something you need to be watchful in that because if you just simply say a prayer and then don't think about it again, yeah. you're like, well, you know, I'm, I'm done, check, you know, I, I prayed for so-and-so. But if you're not expecting God to move, then how can you rejoice in that? I love that, being watchful for positive answers right. to prayer. Saturday I popped into the Banking Festival. Did we talk about I think we talked about the we Banking did. Festival. I saw Put it on Several something. real lifers are part of this local group called Coalition for a Cause, and they put on this annual. This year was the second one. This annual 
festival here down at Port Royal. And uh, so I popped in, say hello, you know, to some folks and would have stayed longer, but it's another story. Um, but this gal came up to me and she said, how's your lungs? You know, how are you doing? And I said, thank you so much for, she said, mm-hmm. well, she said, I've been praying for you. And every time I pray for you, I circle, I circle your name. And she says, but when I'm done praying, like, I'm, like when, when the prayer's answered, I mark it off. So it's exactly what you're saying. And I think that's such a helpful deal is when you're praying for something, write it down in a journal. Absolutely. Keep some, you know, punch it in your phone, have something where you're recording God, the answer to God's prayer. And that, those are Ebenezer moments, right? You know, the, uh, here I, that song we sing, come thou fount here. I raise my Ebenezer. Well, what was an Ebenezer? Well, it was, it was a stone of remembrance, right? Of remembering what God has done. I love that. Mm. It's like, you can't remember it if you don't celebrate it the first time. Right. Right. You know, it's, it's, uh. That's good, man. That's good. All righty. Great stuff this morning. Oh, so good. So glad that you joined us this morning. Some great comments. It's been awesome. Kind of pushed us to to talk about some great things. Hey, Freddie, I just want to say that God is always at work. He is. With or without us. That's right. He's going to work. Yeah. And as John said, he's working for the good of us. So let's look for the good, not just look for the bad. I love it. And let's join him where he's working. Freddie, uh, John, We had a great morning. Last thoughts, Fred? You good? Keep it real. Keep it Jesus. That's right. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus.